maybe you, like me, never really thought about the fact that there are so many parallels between training horses and leadership in business and life. But I had an incredibly powerful conversation with Joe Meisner, who is a world-renowned wild horse trainer who educates people about wild horses. And I know these horses are the living symbol of a pioneer spirit. And when I think of the entrepreneurial spirit and leadership, there's so much uh, that mirrors how horses operate, how they kind of go against the grain. And what Joe is doing is he's actually saving these wild mustangs here in the U.S. and training them to prevent them from being sold in dangerous ways or killed or anything like that. And today's conversation, if you are a leader in business or if you're looking to become one, Joe created a curriculum that teaches people, he uses it for training his horses, but Everything he was talking about, his five C's that you'll hear about in today's conversation, are directly applicable to how we lead in business and even really how we lead at home with our kids and everything. So this conversation, I think, will blow you away. This is one that I am so proud to bring to all of you because I don't know if I've spoken to someone quite as humble and kind as Joe Meisner. He's To know him is to love him, and he's truly making a massive impact, not just in the animal world, but he has programs that are serving people who have been incarcerated and giving them more purpose and stepping into leadership and possibility and growth by teaching them how they can train wild horses. So there are so many full circle moments here in this episode, and I want to share them with you. Okay, let's get to the show. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. So Joe, I feel like I already kind of have the privilege of knowing a little bit through my best friend in the world, Lauren, who's been working alongside you and gentling Mustangs and learning through your mentorship. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Excited to be part. I'm excited to have you. Many of our listeners, like me, prior to Lauren working with you and me kind of hearing about the work you do, know very little about horses. Okay, so I'm one of those people. I'm learning. (laughs) But I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the work you do and why you do it. Give us a picture of what it's all about and speak to us as though we're, you know, the dummies who don't know anything about what you do. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, what I'm trying to do is educate people about America's wild horses, which are our living symbol of the pioneer spirit and our heritage, quite frankly. Most people, you can start a conversation with uh, 
did you realize that there are wild horses in America? And they're like, nah, not anymore. Everything's civilized and there's no wild horses. And when they find out that currently as of 2021, there are 86,000 wild horses running free in 10 Western states, it kind of blows their mind a little bit. And then you continue to add in the fact that we're only talking about Bureau of Land Management wild horses on Bureau of Land Management land. And then how are those horses managed and maintained? And uh, we find out as we learn more about it that the horses are on land that can only sustain about 27,000 wild horses based on the appropriate management level of that public land that they live on. So we're right now currently 59,000 head of horses over what can actually survive in that natural environment. So what do we do with the overage? Well, since 1971, Wild Free Roaming Horse and Burrow Act was established by Congress to protect from actually being sold for dog food or food overseas, uh, foreign countries eat horse meat. Those horses are rounded up when that appropriate management level exceeds what's happening for those horses in those areas. And then they, they're put in a holding facility. And the hope is that someone will go to that facility and say, I want to adopt that horse and take it home. And you can do that. But what most people don't realize is that animal literally is a wild animal. This horse was born and bred in the wild, survived all by itself without human interaction. And it looks at you like a predator. And so it's afraid of everything. And we have to show it to trust us. Once we gain their trust, we can train them with more traditional practices of how to train that horse. But so education for me is to tell people this can be done if you understand where they're coming from. Mm. And so that's kind of been over two decades. I've been training wild horses particularly and kind of made it a specialty of mine. And so they've taught me immensely how to train them, what to train them, who can train them. Anybody can train them. First of all, just need to know that. If they understand it, they can train them and help them. So that's kind of what I do is teach people how to train not only horses, but wild horses. And that has to come from, like your podcast, we talk about leadership. If we look at how a wild horse survives, it's based on a herd dynamics where there's a leader and then there's kind of a pecking order that follows underneath that. There's one horse that leads the band to safety and there's one horse that stands back and protects the band. And when you follow in and where you need to be in that herd, you survive. So that's nature for this horse. And so how does a good leader lead? So for me to replace that herd, I need to learn characteristics of being a good leader that that horse recognizes as good leadership. And it doesn't have to mean just horses. It could mean humans, too. If we think about what makes a good leader for us. We deal with what we call the five C's. A good leader is calm. A good leader is competent. A good leader is caring. A good leader is clear in its leadership. And then it's consistently doing all of these four other C's. So that's something that a good leader is striving to work on at all times as a leader. Am I, am I calm? Am I confident? Am I caring? Am I clear? Am I consistent to the people I'm leading? That's a leader I want to follow that cares about right. how they lead. So 
it's really funny how when we teach leadership skills to a person, it transfers to the horse because horse says, well, I want to be around you because I see these traits in you and I want to be around that to survive. So we kind of and- go ahead. Well, I just wanted to ask you about that because one thing that I would imagine is very different between uh, th- those those five C's translate. But one thing that you can't do with a horse is you, you can't pull the wool over their eyes. You can't fake one of those five C's. I would imagine that they're going to sense, you know, you can't pretend you're calm. You got to be calm because they can feel that energy. And so I'd imagine in working with the horses, you really develop those skills at, e- at an even higher level because you don't have the luxury of kind of faking it or getting it past the horses. Well, they're, the uniqueness of working with the wild horses or any horse is that they are not audible. It's all body language that we are right. translating these five traits through. And so we have to really be self-disciplined in how we display our emotions. It's been scientifically proven that a horse, domestic or wild, can determine 17 facial expressions from a human being. Their ability to view what's happening is independent. Their eyes, one eye can look forward and and see what's going on, and the other eyes looking behind, processing what's going on. We can't even get our head wrapped around that. But once Mm -hmm. we do, it helps us to train and basically kind of manipulate the horse. But you're saying you can't, you know, force that animal to do what you need it to do. The old traditional method of training horse was definitely total domination. I'm going to get on you. I'm going to buck you. I'm going to whip you when you buck. And then finally you're going to say, I'm never going to buck. And oh my gosh, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? We see that all over the world. We have uh, leaders that dominate, dictate and control and, you know, don't allow. They're not calm. They're not confident. They're not clear and they're not caring or consistent in the way that they lead, but yet they're still in the leadership position. So mm-hmm. the ideal is that hopefully I'm teaching some integrity for a person right. to say, I need to be working on myself first before I can lead this horse. And when yes. I can maintain my leadership, then my relationship with the horse will keep me safe from getting hurt. And it'll keep the horse wanting to be with me mm-hmm. and allow me to use it for actually my own personal enjoyment, because most horses don't say, oh, I can't wait till you show up tomorrow. I really want you to ride me and jump fences with me and rope cows. I can't wait. No, I want to stay on the couch. That's where a horse is, right? So what motivates us as a follower to follow a good leader? It's we're taken care of. They care about us enough to help us to understand what they want us to do. And then we're rewarded for that by maybe... A higher pay or you're proficient at that, we're going to move you up the ranks. It's the same concept that happens when we're working with a horse. Yeah. And there are two things that you talked about that I want to highlight because to me, they're critical in leadership that you mentioned trust. That horse has to have that trust with you um, in that leadership role. And, And you talked a little bit about the dynamic of the old school way of doing it. And I would imagine that it breaks that trust and it just creates that dominance that they, they're more in positional leadership versus incentivized leadership where that horse right. feels called to, to follow them. And then the other piece that you mentioned that is funny because I've walked through a couple of really stressful things in our business over the last month, just nothing insurmountable, but just things that make you emotional, make you feel all the things that come with being in a leadership position. And you talked about this idea of really having self-control over your emotions. And I think sometimes people might misinterpret that as meaning 
being emotionless or shutting yeah. down. Yeah. No, you got to have but, emotion and passion to lead. You got to mm-hmm. have that. So talk word. a little bit more about the, about that concept of self-control over emotions versus being, yeah. you know, acting like you've always got it perfect and always right. got it together. Right. That's the beauty of the horse is really cool because a wild horse, first of all, he comes to us with no human interaction. So he doesn't have a preconceived idea of what humans are going to be doing with him or why. So if I make a mistake when I'm basically leading and training this horse, I need to be as a leader say, okay, I need to stop and push the restart button. And guess what? The horse says, thank you. Now, what are we doing now? Oh, I'm not seeing that same emotion from you. I'm not seeing that anger. I'm not seeing that frustration because we broke it back down, maybe even a little smaller. So as far as for me as a person that might be going through a stressful situation in my life, I might want to sit here and say, okay, stop, breathe, look at this thing from a different angle, relax. Because when I'm in a relaxed state of mind, I'm teachable. When I'm not, I'm going to be just like that horse in the fight or flight mode. I'm going to be either fighting the problem or I'm trying to flee from it. I'm not teachable. I'm not usable. So that's why the calm is the number one C that we want to try to get people to maintain. Even when the world's falling apart around me, the horse is bucking all over or it's charging me. I can't control it. You still got to remain calm because the horse is watching you. And he says, well, you're pretty calm. Even with all that commotion. Hey, I want to stay by you because that didn't freak you out. Right. So, you know, as far as self-discipline would be to say, okay, always just stop, restart. You don't have to get control over that emotion because there are things that trigger all of us. Some things cause me a lot more fear than others, you know, and some people say, I can't believe you get in with that wild horse. And I've learned how to hold those emotions and only bring them out when needed, but I, I, I'm not going to squash them and never use them. I got to have that because it's me, hmm. but I'm not going to say, well, horse, you just got to deal with me. That's not really a good leader. Because every horse is different, just like every human is different. That's the thing. A lot of people say, well, it's got four legs and whinnies. You know, you put hay here and it comes out there. They're all the same, right? Well, you're a human. I'm a human. We're all the same, right? Well, no, we're all products of our environment, our upbringing, and our culture. There's always more to everything. And I think as a good leader, if we will be confident enough to say, okay, I can stop and I can restart. Confidence doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. Confidence for us means I have at least one plan, maybe a backup, maybe 50 backup plans. But at least I have one plan. That's a little confident. Now, if that plan's not working, most people have a problem because they don't want to change plans. Right. That's my plan. I can't think any other way. No, you got to be ready to think outside that box, think non-traditional, think, okay, why is the horse responding the way it's responding? What part of it do I have? That's the first question. A lot of leaders sometimes, it's not my fault, it's his fault. He's got problems. He came from a bad mama. He's got problems. I can't deal with him. Give me people that I can deal with. Well, wait a minute. That's not fair, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, so go a little deeper on the ownership that the leader has to take. I mean, in your situation, from the stories I've heard from Lauren, it's like, you know, some kind of do or die situations with some of these horses that you're dealing with, you really don't have the luxury of sitting there blaming the horse. Cause you might get, you know, a horseshoe to the head. But so talk a little bit about how critical it is to have that ownership mindset as a leader, uh, whether it's leading horses or leading people. 
Well, we have to, one thing that keeps us thinking that way for me and what I've tried to institute in my students is, okay, we were just talking about this a little bit this morning. How many hours does it take to get a master's degree? 10,000 hours, right? So how many hours does a horse run wild? It's based on his age, right? How old it is. There's 8,760 hours in one year. So a 10-year-old ran wild for 87,600 hours of its life without human interaction. And my expectation is that in two sessions, I'm going to ride it. Where is that an equal opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Can it be done? Absolutely. It can be done with understanding and expectation is that the horse is going to react the way he reacts. He can know. He only knows how to react that way. So in a do or die situation, I need to understand that if he does something that's fearful, he needs to flee first. He might jump out of that fence. Oh, I didn't mean to put that much pressure on. I know. Don't put that much pressure on this horse. I can't get this horse to move a different horse. I got to put more pressure on him. So I got to be prepared in my mind to say this horse isn't like the other horse. That's the problem everybody's well this is the way i do it they're all the same they don't fit my program you're not allowed here anymore <laughs> i'm not dealing with you and so that's why a lot of people the lost art basically of training wild horses is um there's no need to train a wild horse because i can go get a domestic one that's bred for trainability and usability why would i want to even try to train a wild horse that could get hurt well, yeah, you could, but you could also have the best horse you've ever had in your life. We're afraid mm -hmm. to step out of our box and break with tradition and think a little more naturally and maybe have some empathy and compassion for the horse. Most horses today and horse owners, I think, usually have a horse for their own pure pleasure. It's not really about what I could do for that horse. It's about, well, I compete in roping or I'm a barrel racer or I'm a uh, uh, three-day eventer and I'm three le third level dressage that's all about them it's not about what they could do for the horse so it's really selfish yeah that's I'm in my brain connecting the dots to my my own experiences and witnessing you know in some of the people that I mentor or some of my peers where that translates directly to when we're leading our teams of that attitude of what's in it for me. I hired you to do this job. So do the job and, and follow what I say, because I'm the leader instead of, you know, really pouring into those people. And there's a John Maxwell quote that goes something along the lines mm. of people won't care until um, you show that you care about them, right? They're exactly. not going to care about you and your mission yeah. until you've lended that hand and that heart to them. You have mm -hmm, to exactly. You have to have trust, and that trust comes from exactly. We say it the same way to the horse. The horse doesn't care how much you know; he wants to know how much you care. Exactly. You know how much you care, you'll get more than you ever thought you could ever get with less work. So mm -hmm. that changes the mindset. You mean, wait a minute, I can get more with less? Absolutely. So you you, you can't force the toothpaste back into the tube. You just can't. Mm -hmm. So you got to tread lightly. You don't want to squish it all out of there. And like you said, on influence, as a leader, if we get buy-in and say, look, horse, if I'm leading you and training you, it's all for your betterment. They give you a life with another person, to be honest with you, because I can't keep them all. 
And my idea is to train people to train wild horses to get them out of holding facilities. So we need to really tentacalize this thing out here, right? So what we're trying to do is show that horse through our leadership is to help you to be better you, not better me. In mm-hmm. fact, if I can make you, if I can get one of my students to dig deeper and pass what I'm doing, oh, well, I'm doing the right job. I want to not only duplicate myself, but maybe make me a better product because they're not having to go through the things I went through. Hopefully I can utilize my experiences and my education to stop them from getting dissuaded from continuing in this realm of equine training. And uh, I want to foster the idea that I want to get better. I can get better. It doesn't require me to have, you know, 10,000 hours. I can actually get to a, a level of there if I will slow down and work on me first. Right. So can you tell us, mostly because I'm so interested in this, but I would have to imagine in the work that you did where you were working with inmates and training horses in the mm-hmm. same, same program that you're kind double of wild. really double wild, you know, you're, you're, you're leading people and horses and teaching people to lead horses and work in harmony. So can you tell, tell us about that program, what that experience was like, and maybe what you learned in leadership that you hadn't yet experienced walking through that? It's, it's hard to do it without a lot of emotion for me. It was, uh, it was a fantastic opportunity to test my abilities as a horse trainer, but also uh, recognize the opportunity to be able to pour into somebody. Okay, so let's just bottom line, people don't want Mustangs. They're bottom feeder. They're, I don't know, the dog pound of horses, you know. And all prior to that job, I'm competing in Mustang Makeover trying to prove the world, look what these horses can do. Look what these horses can do. And now we have men incarcerated because they made some mistakes and we want to discount them and label them and brand them for the rest of their life that they're untrainable. It's totally mm-hmm. wrong. You know, it's totally not right. Uh, why do they keep doing the same thing that they've always done? Because they've never been shown that they actually can and have abilities way beyond their capacity. So you got to have a little bit of a curriculum, <laughs> you know, an outline. So, you know, I keep, with my wife's help, I kind of came up with, uh, you know, the five C's and we came up with our different levels, you know, and I was in the army and prior to, uh, the job at the prison program, I was an engineer land surveyor and I worked my way up into a company to where I was, you know, maintaining like three crews and teaching all new employees. So I had that mindset and, uh, I could be a drill sergeant, but then the idea was, you, you give these guys some structure and you give them some direction and let them prove to themselves that they could do it. And it's very empowering, very empowering. Mm-hmm. life changing for several of the guys. Life changing for me to develop what it developed. I think in me, it was more empathy and compassion for people and instead of branding them or labeling them just because of a mistake, you know, or yeah. repeat repeated mistake. I mean, can somebody, <laughs> That's a 20 year offender dramatically changes life. Statistically, they'd say no, but I would say any one of those people can, if you give them the right information, the right setups to show them. And it had been proven prior to the prison program that I was involved with that in other horse equine prison programs, there's five others in the United States, the recidivism rate was reduced from 
normally 85%. Those are guys that got bachelor's degree, master's degree in incarceration, learned how to be master mechanics. 85% of them recommitted to someone that went through an equine assisted program, 15 to 5% recommit. What's wow. the difference? Organic is the difference. That's the key. You can't say, do this, this, and this. There's no formula that fits for one person. Maybe that was a big deal about the whole thing. You can't just say, yep, he goes through the program, graduates level six, he'll change his life. That didn't happen. It's only going to happen in a certain amount. But more people's life were changed because they were allowed the opportunity to grow and find out what they're really made of through mm. nonverbal communication and through empathy and compassion. They can relate to the horse, especially a wild horse who's incarcerated because mm -hmm. of no reason of his own. Like, right. ah, I get it. I'm just like that horse. I'm just as hard headed. Wow. What's okay. So I can relate. Now I got, we got a commonality. Can I train that horse? Yep. Really? You think so? Yeah. Well, I can't take that from you. I tell guys all the time, you're the first one to ever touch that horse. You're the first one to ride it. No one could ever take that from you. Are you kidding me? How many people do you think in the world are actually training wild animals like you are and they're usable and people are buying them? I mean, come on. That's empowering. Yeah. It changes guys. So Yeah, it absolutely does. And it and it also shows the power of, you know, the difference between those two programs you talked about where they're, you know, teaching them how to get a job or become, you know, go down some other path after incarceration versus what you did is what you were doing was teaching them how to lead, which is reminding them that, that it's not just about them. It's bigger than them. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's yeah. giving them a purpose outside of themselves when, when they're coming out of something like, you know, they're coming out of prison and it's like, okay, follow these steps to get this job. And here's what you need to learn. It's all about them. It's like, it's about me instead of, how am I stepping in and I'm making this outside of myself and bigger than me? Well, it's all about them and the fact that they do follow the steps. Otherwise, if you don't follow the steps, you're going to get bucked off, stomped and ran all over. And a lot of them got that. And then when they mm. finally realized, oh, he was serious when he said, follow the steps or I'm going right. to get hurt. So rubber met the road right there. Okay. So the rubber met the road. Why well, don't follow the steps at my job? I get fired. No big deal. Get another job. Okay. I got fired. Why well, can sell drugs? You didn't follow drug rules. Now you're getting incarcerated. Okay, I'll only be incarcerated for a little while, right? So it really wasn't life-threatening to them. You see what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But yeah. when they're flying through the air, bodily hit the ground, there's some jarring effect that breaks up something in the mind that says, you know, I think I'll listen. <laughs> I'm going to continue doing this. So not that that was our purpose. We never tried to get guys bucked off or wanted them to but the nature of men is i'm gonna do it and i can out muscle this animal and they were proved time and time again the guys that came in and had compassion and were soft and learned how to deal with their horse were very successful so that was modeled right in front of them and one thing i always told them too was look guys if you can make level six you can't tell me you can't do any job anybody asks you to do could you learn this you didn't know it coming in. You didn't even know what a horse was. I guy never touched a horse, never seen a horse that could train a horse in 90 days. So how do they get there? They create a desire for it, but it also shows them, you know, I'm not a product of my environment. I'm not a product of my upbringing. I'm not a product of my past mistakes. I can be taught 
and I can do something and achieve something that some people can't do. So you can't tell me you get out of prison, you can't get a job. Yes, you're going to have to put up with a boss you don't like. You're going to get maybe fired. You're not going to get advanced. But isn't that happening right now in training this horse? A lot of guys think, oh, I'll train that horse in a day. And it's three months later, I'm like, where are we at? Oh, my God, he's killing me. <laughs> <He's going. laughs> and they make that breakthrough. And there's adoption day comes and they're like crying because they're giving away their baby that they poured their life and soul into. But the pendulum swings the other way. And somebody wanted that because of what you did. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That's a different than taking. Now you're giving back. Mm-hmm. That's a different yeah. mindset. What a gift in leadership, no matter who or what we're leading, right? Where we can see that one of the treasures in it when you do it right is being able to see a level of worth in somebody that they can't see in themselves yet and then helping them cultivate that through whatever you're teaching them or guiding them through. And that's the work that you were doing with those men and those horses. And that's such a such a treasure. So Joe, any closing words of wisdom for the people listening. And I feel like you, you gave us so much already and the parallels are so incredible, but any message you want to leave our listeners with today? Just uh, remember that if you feel in like you're coming up a brick wall, just stop, restart it and come mm-hmm. at it with a different angle. Try to remember that, you know, you're the only one that can work on you. It's not dependent on what people are teaching you. It's not dependent on what book book you read. It requires action on yourself. And so you have to figure out what's important to you. You know, how do you want to be perceived? Um, Should be that I want to be perceived as a person that has integrity, is calm, has some confidence, but also cares and is pretty clear and articulate what I'm trying to talk about or be involved in, but I have some consistency to me. I'm not all over the place, you know? So I'm trying to work on those things for myself all the time, you know, Mm because I'm forced with the fact I just got a new student yesterday. They never rode a horse in their life and she's 46. And it's like, and now we have a little bit of a language barrier, Portuguese. So, you know, will she be successful at the end of our program? I think she'll be pretty successful. I'm excited for where she can be. It just depends on what she puts into it. Right, right. So where can people come connect with you or find you or support your mission and the work that you are doing? Um, That's our Facebook. You can check out there. Not our Facebook. Well, we have a Facebook, also Montana Range of Hope Facebook. But MontanaRangeofHope.com is our website. And then I have a website called Wild to Ride wild the number two ride so those are areas that you can connect with me for sure yeah great well i'm going to link to all that for our listeners go support joe go see the work that they're doing it's really incredible i've got to see it you know secondhand through uh, my friend's experiences and it's been so transformative for her and it's just given her a whole new outlook on life and leadership. And it's been such a a gift to watch it unfold. So thank you for the work you do, Joe. And thank you for your time today. No problem. Thank you. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. 
And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.